Hello, it's 12th of February 2017 and this is episode 17 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So, Kirsty, how has your week in Star Wars been? Oh, it's been really good because uh, I got the press pass for Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, um, Yeah, it was really cool. You were, you were the one who actually suggested that I apply for it, because unfortunately you won't be coming to Celebration, which I'm really sad about. Mm. Um, but you suggested that I go for it, um, which is really cool. I don't think it gives us like too many perks beyond what um, the normal ticket does, but... It's just kind of nice to have that feeling of legitimacy because we're still a pretty new podcast. Yeah. So it's about that street cred. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah we were rocking the press pass, like feeling yeah. all legit walking around. Like, yeah, I'm part of the Star Wars podcasting community. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you, it also means you probably get a special badge. So you'll get a badge with like a unique image on it. Oh, cool. I wonder what that'll be. It's just a nice little bonus. Yeah. How about your Um, Nothing personally exciting like that happened. Um, because, like you said, unfortunately, I'm not going to celebration. No, sorry. I feel like I keep rubbing it in every time I mention it. No, no, no. You're you're not rubbing it in. Honestly, I'm happy you're going. <laughs> Trust me, I would love to go. It's just yeah. I was looking at flights, and it's like a thousand pounds return. Yeah, it's bad. Fly to Orlando. It's ridiculous. And, and it's like I'm sorry. I really want to go, but transatlantic um, travel is just not cheap, man. Yeah, maybe they'll do another one in Europe soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. The, the only problem is I get with the celebrations, they seem to always, um, they just seem to be less exciting when they're in Europe. I don't think they um, feel like there's as many stakes because Star Wars is so quintessentially American. Right. So I think they really push the boat out for when it's American celebrations and not so much for the European ones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, don't get me wrong, I loved going to celebration last year in London. Like That was great. And it was my first celebration. But there wasn't anything major going down like even the rogue one panel i didn't go to that but i know a lot of the people who did were like a bit disappointed it wasn't what they were hoping for yeah that's what i've heard as well but i'm sure they're going to push the boat out for celebration orlando because obviously episode eight is coming out at the end of this year and everyone is absurdly excited for episode eight and also i expect there's going to be lots of tribute to carry as well yeah so i'm sure that's going to make it a particularly special one because it's hopefully going to be a lot about her yeah, yeah, it should be a good one. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. Besides that, um, it's just been a really cool week for Star Wars news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've yeah. got some very interesting and exciting things happening that I will not get into right now because obviously we're going to talk about them later. Um, there's a few items of business I should get through first. The first thing is that this is just going to be a brief podcast. Basically, the next few weeks or so, they're going to be a bit twonky because um, we're like traveling and we've got other commitments and stuff but we still really want to podcast because we enjoy doing it and we know people look out for the podcast so this podcast in particular is just going to be news but there is a lot of news so <laughs> don't be too afraid it's not going to be a little pokey silly podcast that might as well not exist um because if it were we probably wouldn't have done it <laughs> um and besides that, if you have not yet reviewed us on iTunes, please do so because that really helps us out and you'd just be doing us a massive favour. So it really helps us to get the word out there and get more listeners. And also, if you have any questions for the podcast, you can email them to scavengershoard at gmail.com and we will try to get to them next week. 
Um, is there anything you want to say, Kirsty, before we start running to news? Um, I guess I just want to apologise again for having a terrible voice. Oh, <laughs> it's even worse this week. Um, I completely understand if people want to stop listening because it's uh, sounds pretty gross. But I didn't want to miss this week's podcast because the news is so exciting. <laughs> so. That's dedication. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm sipping my lem sip and all should be good. Yeah. So, sorry, listeners. If I were more skilled with like sound editing, I'd like um, splice in I Will Survive, the song. <laughs> it's just a cold. But I feel like I'm just constantly complaining about it. I'm probably getting on my family's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Woe is me. I think when you're sick, you have a license to complain and moan about stuff like that. Don't worry. <laughs> um, right. To go into the news, the first story is that Fandy Newton is in talks for the Han Solo movie. And this story is from Variety. Westworld star Fandy Newton may be headed to a galaxy far, far away. Sources tell Variety the actress is in negotiations to join the upcoming Han Solo spin-off, though her role is unknown. Yeah, so what did you make of this news, Kirsty? Oh, it's exciting. Um, I haven't actually watched Westworld yet. I know you have. (laughs) I'm missing out. Yeah, I know. I'm really, really bad at watching TV shows as Mm -hmm. they come out and everyone else is talking about them. Yeah. Um, Everyone was talking about Stranger Things last year and I didn't watch it until like December. Yeah. So, yeah, it just takes me a long time to get to the big zeitgeisty shows, but I will watch it. I know everyone's saying how good it is, so I will get there. And this is probably good motivation. (laughs) Do you know Fandy Newton? Like, have you seen her in other things? Yeah, I've seen her in other things. Yeah. Yeah. If if you like her as an actress, you really have to watch Westworld. It's such a great showcase for her. Okay, cool. She's one of the main characters and she just knocks out of the park. It's such a great performance. She's really like witty and intelligent and smart and like she just conveys all these like subtleties of her characters so well. I won't go into the details because the whole show is like a living sp- ticking spoiler bomb. <laughs> um so <laughs> I don't want to explain things too much. Um yeah, it's just she's a really exciting actress. I'm really excited to see her in this movie. Yeah, should be pretty cool. Yeah, like I know that a while ago they were talking about um people like Zoe Kravitz and um others being up for a female part in the Han Solo movie. And I know they there were subsequent reports saying that Amelia Clark didn't get like the Zoe Kravitz part, right? So that there were different female roles to play there. Do you reckon that Fandy Newton got that role? Like, so the other big female part that we were hearing about, like, last year. It's totally possible. Yeah. Um, I think Newton's in her 40s, right? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, so um, I think a lot of those other um, actors we were hearing about were in their 20s or, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But who knows? Like, they can rework the roles or rewrite parts and all sorts. Yeah. Which I think happened with The Force Awakens in Episode 8 as well. Yeah. It's so tricky to say. I, I am really excited, though, to see them getting this really strong female talent on because it's nice to see like a more even gender split because the next story we're going to talk about is about another woman being cast in the Han Solo movie. And it's just really nice because while I enjoyed Rogue One, one of my issues with that film was that Jin was basically the only female character with like any substance, like a real story in that film. I wondered if um, this casting news was as a response to you know we were hearing about Kathleen Kennedy was saying um that in January they were going to all sit down and kind of review what was going on and mm. see what changes needed to be made I wonder if they were kind of responding to some of the critique about 
you know, needing more diverse roles, especially for women? Possibly, yeah. Like, and if that is the case, I'd really welcome it. So I think it's really, really good to see. Because I don't know if this is normal to hear about casting news after a film has started production. I think it is quite normal. Like, often you'll find that everyone starts filming their parts at different times. Right. So I'd expect that this means that, like, Fandy Newton and the other woman who's been cast, or is at least in talks to be cast, um, so I don't think this is completely confirmed yet, um, I expect this just means that their parts they're not going to start shooting until a bit later. So that's why they can still cast people at this point. Right. So Fandy Newton's great, and I'm really excited to see her in the Han Solo movie. And um, what have you seen her in, by the way? Uh, Crash was the one I was mostly thinking of. Mm. I think I've seen her in small parts and other things as well, but nothing's really coming to mind right now. Yeah, I haven't um, seen her in anything apart from Westworld, I don't think. But like I say, she would just impress me so much in that show that I'm excited to see her in anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, right, then the next story is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge has been cast in the Hans Zimmer movie. And this is also from Variety, so you seem to get all the exclusives lately. <laughs> um, following her critically acclaimed turn in the Amazon series Fleabag, actress Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in talks for a key role in the upcoming Star Wars Han Solo spin-off. The role would be a CGI-driven performance from Waller-Bridge, but would still be a significant part of the ensemble. Similar to key Star Wars characters in the past, like Chewbacca, C-3PO, and most recently, Alan Tudyk's K2SO in Rogue One. So yeah, what did you think about this news? Um, I haven't watched Fleabag, but I've heard lots of people say it's great and they really recommend it. Mm. Um, so again, this is something I'm going to put on my list of things to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just cool to hear about more women being cast in, in Han Solo. Mm. Like, I think the most exciting part of this story for me was the way it's going to be CGI-driven performance. Yeah, I really enjoyed K2SO. I yeah. Alan Tudyk did a fantastic job of that. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see what kind of role this will be. Yeah, exactly. It makes me really curious. It's like, is she going to be a robot? Is she going to be a, sorry, I mean a droid? God, that's like <laughs> sacrilege in Star's terms. How <laughs> dare you say robot? It's a droid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like so is she going to be a droid is she going to be an alien is she going to be whatever (laughs) Um, I'd imagine a droid like to be doing like a CGI driven performance because like unless it's a voice role but yeah like uh, it's so hard to talk about these things because we know so so little yeah Um, but yeah again it's just exciting to see another woman being cast I haven't seen this actress in anything and I, I, hadn't, I hadn't even heard of Fleabag to be oh honest. I have a friend who says it's absolutely hilarious and she's been trying to get me to watch it for ages so do you know what the premise is um I think it's about this woman who like runs a cafe with her friend and then her friend dies and she's like it sounds depressing but I think it's supposed to be like this wry comedy mm. about her trying to get her life together basically okay interesting yeah, it's just supposed to be really funny, so yeah. check it out. Now, I have noticed that Amazon have been doing a lot more with their original programming recently, which has been really cool to see. They, they're they doing like a good job of convincing people why Amazon Prime is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy Transparent. I think that's the only show of theirs I've seen. Mm. I think I watched... Um, oh, it was one about like 1930s Hollywood with Lily Collins in it. I can't remember the title right now, but it was pretty good. I just mm-hmm. watched the pilot, and that was impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another thing to watch. Um, 
Right. And then I think we get to the real meat of the news. <laughs> um, because we get into very interesting territory with Friar Josh Gad's Instagram. And basically, to give people a bit of context, um, Daisy Ridley is currently filming Murder on the Orient Express. And there's just been this running series of videos from the actor Josh Gad. Um, and the premise is basically that he keeps on trying to like squeeze Star Wars spoilers out of Daisy Ridley. Um, and so there's just been these short videos he's been posting to his Instagram. And it's basically him bugging Daisy Ridley with questions. And the last one was the best one yet. Because Josh Gad basically recruited Judy Dench to do the interrogating um, on Daisy. And it's just a joy to watch because you hear Judy Dench ask these questions and say these words that you would never have dreamed <laughs> Judy Dench saying. And it's just a magical experience. Um, well, I'll probably link to it in the notes, but just for ease of reference, this is what Judy Dench asks um, Daisy Ridley. Okay. Have you been tested for midichlorians? Is Snoke Palpatine? Are you the last Jedi? What's the deal with Raylo? Why don't you answer my damn questions? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's hilarious and it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, what did you make of this, Kirsty, when you saw it? I'm impressed how Daisy can keep a completely straight face for all of this. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. it's a joke and she's in on it. Like I've yeah. seen some people say, oh, they need to leave her alone. She has an NDA. It's like, I think she is part of the joke. You know. Yeah, I think we can be pretty confident about that. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, as you say, Judy Dench probably doesn't know what these things are. Well, she, yes. She could be a huge Star Wars fan. I don't know. You know, <laughs> that'd be possible. so cool if she's like there, like got with all the Blu-rays, like watching them obsessively, like in her trailer. <laughs> but these are probably questions that Josh and Daisy came up with together to give her to read. So, yeah, it seems, it's all seems good fun for them to have while they're on set together. So, yeah, no, definitely one of the most hilarious things I saw was someone saying that because like Judy Dench like pauses and looks away like in a judgmental manner before asking the question about Raylo, that means that she really hates Raylo and thinks it's gross and disgusting. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure she's aware of what it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she follows Tumblr and <laughs> the Raylo tag obsessively. Yeah, I don't think any of these questions could be taken as hints as to what's going to be the real story or not either way. Yeah. Like it's it's just them having fun. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and basically, all Judy Dench was doing in that moment when she was looking away is it's pretty clear to me that these questions had been written down on a board so that Judy Dench could then read off the board to ask the questions. That's why that it keeps on going between Judy Dench and Daisy Ridley. Because whenever the camera switches to Daisy Ridley, it's because Judy Dench is reading the questions. Right. I mean, I guess Judy has this very, like, stoic, withering look to her as part of the skit yes but I don't think that's like a judgment on the questions themselves it's just no. part of the vibe no but it's oh, so yeah. so magical to just hear Judy Dent say the word Raylo <laughs> it's so cool <laughs> yeah it. it's amazing it's pretty funny yeah I and I do find interesting that Raylo like has just been included in there like it's an element of the conversation because all the other questions they're like um you're like typical Reddit conspiracy theory nerd questions, you know, like about all oh, Medichlorians and Snoke and what does the last Jedi mean? Whereas Raylo, that is something that's a bit more like niche, I suppose. I wouldn't say it's niche. I just think 
Daisy's probably sick and tired of being asked if she's Luke's daughter. Mm. So, and people kind of generally, not everyone, but it seems to be like the fandom is divided into two theories. Either Kylo and Rey are related or they're going to fall in love. Mm. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? Or yeah. there's going to be some kind of romance angle, maybe one-sided or whatever, or, or maybe it's something more like a force bond, which we'll get to later. But um, those seem to be the main two perspectives of things possibly panning out. Yeah. So it's just, maybe it's just like a way to introduce that possibility to the general audience, but not in a way. I mean, I guess it depends if people then go and Google what Raylo is, because it's mm. not like she's saying, what's the deal with the theory that Kylo Ren and Ray will fall in love, you know? <laughs> Yes. Like, so it's, yeah. it's possible to read far too much into this, and I'm sure that's what everyone's doing. So, yeah, no, but that's part of the fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, for me, like, I, it definitely seems to me like it's entering it as part of the conversation. Like, that's kind of what I meant by Raylo is more niche, because in terms of the general audience, they won't have like heard of Raylo. Oh, yeah. Well, because of this um, video, I've seen a couple of news organizations kind of pick it up and explain what Raylo is in their articles yes it's been really funny <laughs> so yeah I suppose it has introduced more people to it who may not have even considered it before and just kind of walked out of the theater in December assuming um Ray was Luke's kid and then that that probably like was the last of their theorizing yeah no, um, I can imagine like lots of confused journalists like watching this Instagram video and then being like what's Raylo <laughs> Yeah. And then typing it in on Google and being like, oh, that's Raylo. Right. Hopefully when they Googled it, they got the safe search on. <laughs> <laughs> you can only hope for the sake of their souls. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, don't worry, it's fine. I know I've seen some people, especially like shippers themselves, be like, oh, God, you know, people shouldn't bring up shipping. But I think it's different if the actors themselves are doing it. And again... Judy probably wasn't the person who genuinely wanted to ask about Raylo. It's probably something Daisy suggested herself. Yes. So it's it's not like a, a fan bringing it up or something like that. They're just kind of having fun of it. Yeah. I'm almost certain that like Daisy was the one who dropped Raylo in there. Because we know for a fact that Daisy is very aware of Raylo. Yeah, she's brought it up before in other interviews. So. Yeah. And she's like commented on social media posts about Raylo and liked Raylo fan art and stuff. Like, obviously, we don't want to read too much into that because it's just her being supportive of fans, really, which is nice. But like, I don't see Josh Gad on his own being aware of what Raylo is. He might. He's clearly a Star Wars fan, but he doesn't strike me as a shipper, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a shipper to be aware of it if it's one of the theories that's out there. But you're probably right that it was Daisy who suggested it. Yeah. No, there's so much we don't know. <laughs> um, right, then I think we should segue nicely onto news that emerged. Like, was it the next day or a couple of days after? It, it was soon. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It kind of blew up online, but the data bank had obviously been updated at an earlier point, and we're just not sure when it was. Yeah, no, so basically what happened is on the official Stars website, there's something called the data bank which is like an encyclopedia and they've got profiles for all the different characters and all the different weapons and every facet of Star Wars you could care to imagine has like its entry on the databank. Um, and essentially a few days after Judy Dench like, asked, what's the deal with Raylo? Very interesting comments came to people's attention on the databank. Um, like, we're guessing they're quite recently added, though 
they were probably there for like a little while before people discovered them um and yeah they're just very interesting because they seem to confirm again what would i guess typically be considered a Raylo reading of the film like they don't necessarily suggest that there is going to be a full-blown love story between ray and kylo but they clearly indicate that people are on the right track when they think about there being a very like close and intimate connection between these characters um and yeah that's interesting because lots of people have tried to refute that at various points and like while the star wars data bank it's not like it's a film it's not like it's something that everyone is going to see in a cinema screen it is very much coming from an official source which does pretty much imply that this is the way the film is meant to be understood and meant to be viewed um so yeah it's helpful in that respect it means that it gives i guess a more objective take on like the characters and their interrelationships um so i'm going to read out the most interesting bits and then we'll pause after each bit has been read out and just discuss it a little bit um right so the first extract i will read is from the main biography for kylo and this goes kylo swore his loyalties were only to snoke but he was intrigued when he captured ray a jacuzzi scavenger whose force abilities were raw but very powerful a mysterious connection seemed to link the two kylo faced his father inside the first order's starkiller base and struck hand down with his lightsaber this shocking act of patricide didn't make Ben Solo feel stronger. Somehow, he felt weaker. Ray then bested Kylo in a lightsaber duel, sparing his life. Kylo Ren had hoped to end the conflicts that caused him so, so much pain, but found he remained at war with himself, more lost than ever. So, yeah, what, what did you think when this came out, Kirsty? Um, <clears throat> I wasn't, like, surprised by it. I was surprised that the databank had been updated to... I guess, describe these things in such detail, but um, it kind of matches my initial reading of the film and yours too, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just kind of nice to get that validation, I guess. Um, But yeah, like this idea of him being intrigued by Ray, that's something that we've talked about extensively. Like it's very clear from the movie that he's fascinated by her in some way. So Mm -hmm. um, I do think it's interesting that it kind of connects that with the idea of him being loyal to Snoke or his claim that he's loyal to him. Yes. Um, so it almost like foreshadows in a way that at some point his loyalties may switch towards Ray. Yeah, no, that's um, definitely what it seems to imply. Um, and that's really interesting because that would seem to suggest like a setup for episode eight almost, um, which would be super interesting because that's definitely not a direction that's being widely speculated on. Um, and yeah, like, I think that's really interesting. It suggests that the fact that Ray intrigues him so much threatens his loyalty to Snoke. Right. Like that she's like a distraction and she's going to weaken like his commitment to Snoke and like that manifestation of the dark side of the force. Um, yeah. And, and that's very loaded and really interesting. Yeah. I do feel like that's what was presented in the force awakens as well. Like the idea of Ray being some kind of temptation for him. Cause mm-hmm. we, we already know that he's being tempted by the light. He feels that conflict initially before he even meets her. Yeah. Um, but then she kind of embodies that. And we've seen official artwork from Lucasfilm Celebration last year. It was like called The Call to the Light. And it's Kylo looking at Rey. Yeah. Like, so it has that kind of romanticism to it um, mm. that she embodies that certain temptation for him. 
Yeah, and they do that in a very visual way. Like if you look in the interrogation, like when Ray's like on the chair, like she's literally bathed in light, whereas Kylo's crouched down watching her from the shadows. Right. It's not subtle at all. I didn't think so, but you know, yeah, <laughs> anyone like, who's anyone who pays attention to fandom discourse, this has been controversial for sure. I, I think for some people, like just the visual stuff, like which is a big way in which like this dynamic comes across. Like I don't think that's enough. I do think some people literally need characters to declare these things and to say them aloud. I I do think that it's quite obvious in some ways when um like Kylo's literally in his room saying like I feel the pull to the light or whatever. Um like so that's pretty on the nose, but yeah. Well, for... I do wonder if that's kind of the purpose of some of these these bits of information that we're having come out. Mm. Um and J.J. Abrams was saying stuff not like as quite as on the nose because he couldn't go that far in the commentary, but he was kind of hinting at an important connection between the two of them. Yeah. Um, obviously emphasizing that Kylo was in conflict and everything, and um, the second part about like feeling weaker after killing Han, like he emphasized that point because, and he actually said, "I've had lots of people ask me about this because they didn't find it very clear." Um, so I'm almost wondering if this is like a conscious attempt from Lucasfilm to unpack the mystery box a bit. I really think that's what it is. I think it's about um, like trying to set the record straight almost. It's like saying, look, we know this is very controversial. We know this is ambiguous, but this is how it's meant to be understood. Like, so if you want to go into episode eight of the right expectations, then you should be aware that this was kind of like the intention behind these things and behind these characters' dynamics. Um, so I don't think that's spoilery. I think it's just about recognising... Uh, not sure people are reading this in the right way. <laughs> yeah, and it's obviously fully within each fan's right. Like If they don't want to take this on board or they want to argue with it, they can. But um, at a certain point, it's kind of like you just need to get on board with what official sources are saying. I know it's not canon because it's like a description of the story rather than the story itself. Mm. It's supplementary material, but... It's very much in line with what is there in the narrative. Yes. So it's helpful to see this stuff and kind of take it on board. Yeah. I think it's also important to say that this is very much intended for like fans. It's not going to be the general audience reading the databank. That just won't happen because they probably won't have thought about Force Awakens all that much since they saw it in the cinemas in December 2015. Um, this stuff is intended for the people battling out on forums and reddits. And like the super hardcore fans who are like getting themselves like twisted up in knots because they can't agree on anything. And I think it's trying to say, look, guys, stop tearing at each other's throats. Like this is kind of what was going on. Of course, it it won't like cause like peace on earth and <laughs> like everyone's stand around in a circle, sing kumbaya, and all agreeing on everything. So that, yeah. that'd be really boring in the first instance. Um, Forums are gonna forum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can like change the fabric of the internet just by laying down the word of god in air quotes um but yeah i I think it's an attempt at like reconciliation and trying to give people fewer excuses to be assholes to each other about this kind of thing oh yeah i'm sure they'll still manage (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure but i i do think this represents lucasfilm trying in that way which i welcome i think it's good to have more clarity like and it's hard because I personally, like you, I thought felt all the stuff did come through in the film itself. Like this matches up pretty well with 
my reading of The Force Awakens. Like, but I know it didn't for lots of other people. And I'm sure for some of those people, they'll be saying, well, this isn't valid because if this was what they meant, they should have better conveyed it in the film itself. Yeah. And, you know, I do think that's an interesting point to raise because, like you say, as straightforward as we found it, um, part of the appeal of Ray and Carlo Ren's dynamic for me has been that ambiguity. It's interesting mm. to talk about where it's going to go because it's not like we know the answer yet. It's just, wow, there's something going on here and it's really cool to think about. Yeah. Um, that's why I got into Raylo. Yeah. Um, but I I also understand that I can see the, the filmmaking process and I know that there were certain things that they took out that would have made it a bit clearer. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, when you're editing a film, there's always going to be stuff that you have to take out. But I do think they made the dialogue pretty sparse and mm. they didn't um, use exposition so much as they have in other Star Wars films. Like, I, I keep coming back to the the compassion dialogue from Snoke that was cut when he's talking to Kylo and accusing him of having compassion for Rey after the interrogation scene. Yes. If they'd just left that in, I think it would have made it a lot clearer to people that there's something going on here. He's not supposed to feel compassion for this girl, but he does. Mm. So that's just one example. There are many. Yeah. No, I do think that kind of thing would have helped. I, I can't help but remember something I remember reading like in an interview. I can't remember if it was with JJ or Lawrence Kasdan himself. But it was one of them explaining that Kasdan essentially told JJ that like you need to trust the audience. Don't make everything obvious. Don't make everything so on the nose. Like try and scale things back and like let the film speak for itself and let the visuals and the performances speak for themselves. Um and I think that's admirable in a way because it shows respect for the audience and like trust in the audience's ability to like read into these cues and read into these like subtle visual elements and like small aspects of the performances but again i think it's a very fine line to tread between like respecting your audience's intelligence and trusting them to pick up on like the little hints and like not making things clear enough when like it's in such a contentious area as star wars fandom (laughs) yeah because it's always the kind of property that's going to be argued over and picked pieces like crazy and there's always going to be factions and like discussions and disagreements um and yeah you've just seen that manifest in huge ways especially over the whole rain kind of thing yeah i don't know if this happens with other fandoms but i feel like a lot of it comes down to the expectations that people had for the film and that like that what they wanted to see mm-hmm. and then if if what they saw on screen didn't quite match with that it was still like like people just wanted to argue for what they what the story that they wanted would have been instead mm-hmm. yeah um you know i, I see people still arguing that ray's going to be a solo mm. when everything that c- has come out seems to point away from that yeah but if it's what someone wants then and if that's the way that they enjoy engaging in fandom, then I'm, you know, I can't tell them not to behave that way. Like that's what they want to talk about. So mm. it's kind of complicated because it, it is like you do you, you know, but yeah. um, it does kind of generate a lot of disagreement among fans and it can be unpleasant. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, Cause <laughs> 
I remember being told in the past that I only shipped Raylo because I went into The Force Awakens wanting to ship Raylo. So basically the argument was that there was nothing in the film itself that supports Raylo, but that because I had gone in desiring to see a romance between these characters, that was what I saw. That was literally what someone told me. Um, And I don't think that's true at all because we knew nothing about those characters before we went into Force Awakens and we barely knew they even had screen, screen time together. Like, there was almost no indication in the pre-release material that they interacted, let mm. alone had any kind of significant relationship, because that was obviously being kept heavily under wraps. Um, so, yeah, like, I didn't have, like, preconceived expectations of romance or, like, a spark between those characters, because I didn't un- know that they had any kind of relationship. I'd read the spoilers, and from the spoilers I knew that Kylo kidnapped Rey, um, and that she escaped, and then there was a fight at the end. But because of the way in which spoilers are described, like it's all very flat, so there's no indication of how these characters connect or what their relationship is like, that didn't give me a feel for their relationship at all. Like I ship Raylo because of what I saw in the film, not because of what I brought to the film myself. Whereas I can't help but think it's often the opposite with people who say Ray is a solo, for example. Because I do very much think that's about people going into the film really expecting and wanting Ray to be a solo child. Because that was a very heavy expectation in the run-up to The Force Awakens. I think that's what most people thought. Um, and even some of the rumours surrounding the film suggested she was going to be a solo. Um, so even though the film itself appears to have debunked Ray Solo as a theory, I think because people went in really, really wanting this to be real then that belief has persisted even despite the evidence to the contrary presented in the film itself. Does that mm. make sense? Oh yeah, it does. Mm. I mean, it's interesting just looking at fandom because like most people are so sure that their point of view is correct. <laughs> yes. Including me. Yes. I'm not saying I'm above all that, but I just feel like episode eight is just going to drop this bombshell on the fandom either mm. way, whatever happens. Yeah, um, no, exactly. I think there's always going to be a losing party from this. Like, there's going to be lots of people upset if Raylo does happen, and there's going to be lots of people upset if it doesn't happen. So there's no way, going to be no way to please everyone in this scenario. Literally no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen people use these quotes as evidence that they are related, though, because mm-hmm. it is like this idea that, oh, they're connected. That means that they recognise that they're bound together by genetics or whatever Mm. yeah i think think about that i think that's people like thinking back to the whole luke and leia thing like because you could argue there was a mysterious connection between luke and leia like when with the whole with leia saying somehow i have always known thing um so i think that's what people are clinging to but like i really don't think that that's what the terminology you suggest. Um, should I read some more? Because yeah. there's still a lot to go. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and I should also mention that with the main bio, the section that I read out earlier is also accompanied by an image from the interrogation scene of Cardo, like in Ray's face, basically, <laughs> um, looking at her in a very like intense way. No, it's like you would look at your cousin. <laughs> I look at my cousins like that all the time. It's totally normal. Okay. Yeah. Like, do they ever tell you to stop breathing in their faces? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Kylo, you creep. Stop creeping on your cousin. <laughs> Cousins doing cousin things. Yep. 
Nothing to see here. No, nothing, nothing. Just a bit more incest than Star Wars. It's basically what people have come to expect from Star Wars, so. Yeah. Even though it happened one time and we know why, because it wasn't planned out. Um, right, and then there's the captions, because there's essentially an image gallery for each character, and each image has a caption. And so these are the pertinent captions on Kylo's photos. And they are, Landing on Takadana, Kylo confronted the young woman who'd escaped from Jakku with BB-8 and found himself puzzled by a strange connection he felt with her. And then later on about the interrogation. But both captor and captive were surprised when Rey found herself able to sense Kylo's own thoughts, including his conflicts and doubts. And then finally, he sensed his destiny and Rey's was somehow intertwined. But how? Uh, yeah, like I've seen interesting readings of like the whole destinies intertwined thing. But to me, that reads like is very like cliche, like almost like romanticized language. <laughs> oh, it is for sure. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's like a Mills and Boone novels out there called Destinies Intertwined. That has to be right. <laughs> Speaking as someone who's read a lot of Raylo fan fiction, <laughs> this reads like Raylo fan fiction. <laughs> So, do you reckon they read Raylo fanfiction for inspiration? No, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> Raylo fanfiction is based on the source material. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, but uh, you know this is official StarWars.com, and it sounds like it's from the Raylo tag on Tumblr. Like that's the reality here. I have actually seen people who hate the idea of Raylo. They they've suggested that a Raylo shipper hacked StarWars.com and put this on there. <laughs> it's like. Uh, I think that means that we were on the right track. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, I'm trying not to be smug about this. And it's not like this means, you know, oh, there's going to be a mutual romance, whatever. It just, you know, it means that we were right when we picked out the fact that there was something strange going on with these characters. And it's foreshadowing, like, here, he's talking about the destiny between them is going to be intertwined, but how? Like, that's what 8 and 9 is going to answer. So Kylo Ren is already thinking about that, like how is Rey going to be part of his future? And he's thinking that at the end of the movie, after she's left him to die, yeah. basically, like the the chasm has been created between them. She's slashed his face mm-hmm. and run off to find Finn, and he's thinking about how this woman is going to be part of his life. That's pretty intense. So I have seen people suggest that, like Kylo, by the end of Force Awakens, he knew Rey was related to him. That's like a theory because basically there was a cut line with Kylo saying it it is you, um, and for a lot of people that was taken as proof that oh Kylo's finally recognised her as his cousin sister whatever, um, but I think this line from the databank it does very much seem to point away from that interpretation, because if he's asking how are our destinies intertwined, then like that implies he still doesn't fully understand who this girl is or what her relationship to him is going to be like whereas if she were his cousin or if she were his sister then like that wouldn't really be a question it'd be like oh our destinies are intertwined because she's my cousin slash sister I think someone at some point asked Pablo Hidalgo what the it is you line meant and he said um, it's Kylo recognising that she's the awakening Yes. so I don't know how canon his comments are but that doesn't seem to indicate that he thinks they're related by blood. I think he said um, The Force Awakens suggests that um, it's him recognising her as the Awakening. Right. Um, we'll see what happens or something like that. It was a typical Pablo 
non-answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In that, like, he left himself with lots of room for that interpretation of that line to be revised and to gain a different angle and stuff. But I do think that's broadly correct. I just think that we're going to understand a lot more about why that would be significant for Kylo. Mm. Like, why he knows so much about, like, this girl who embodies the Awakening. It's like, my theory is that the thing that Luke and Kylo were like on a quest to find was perhaps Rey herself. Like that they'd heard like a prophecy or something called sensed when she was born or something like that. And that then she was hidden from the Monjaku to like suppress her powers and keep her from being found. Um but yeah, that's like my personal headcanon slash fanfiction. So <laughs> stop there. Um but yeah, no, it's really, really interesting and it makes me very excited for episode eight because um yeah, there's so much left to tell. And it's very clear that they're going to explore that in a big way. So if you look at both Kylo and Ray's like, biographies and the captions, so much of them are about each other, especially Kylo's. Like A lot of Kylo's biography is about Ray. I think there's more Ray in Kylo's biography than there is, say, Han, who's his own father, mm. for example. And that's to me, is a big indication that that is going to be the core relationship for Kylo moving forward. It's going to be about Kylo and Ray, not Kylo and Snoke or Kylo and Luke. Yeah. I, I think that's right. I mean, JJ said similar things in the commentary as well about this being a very important relationship and now we're going to get back to the story that we really care about between Kylo Ren and Rey and mm. all that. So Exactly. It's very interesting. Um, right. And then just last of all, I'll read the stuff that there's, there is on Rey's data bank entry. Um, and again, it's just extracts. But on the main biography, there's she rejected this call to destiny, but was captured by the dark side warrior Kylo Ren, with whom she shared a strange connection. Kylo took Rey to Starkiller Base, where he tried to understand her rapidly grown powers. And then, like in the captions, and this is about the interrogation, he uncovered her feelings of loneliness. But to the surprise of both, Rey found Kylo's own mind open to her as well. She saw that the seemingly fearsome warlord was vulnerable, filled with conflict and pain. Yeah, like I think I find that last write-up one of the most interesting aspects of all of this, because like, that really does suggest like she's feeling some serious empathy for him, like and she really understands him that moment. Obviously, in the film itself, she only uses that information to defend against him, because obviously in that moment she's in a state of high peril. And she's trying to like deflect him and protect herself completely understandably. But I do think it's interesting that she really seems to gain understanding of him because then I think that's sowing the seeds for like a real attitude shift. Yeah. This reminds me of something that Jason Ward said at Making Star Wars a while back, that the interrogation scene would have ongoing ramifications mm. and that Ray learned more about him than just that he was scared of Darth, uh, he, he was afraid that he wouldn't be as strong as Vader. Yeah. Um, that she saw more in his mind. They just didn't voice it at the time. Yeah. So it, it really kind of paves the way for her. Yeah, having that empathy for him that they've seen each other's biggest fears and their shared sense of loneliness and isolation. Mm. So. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. I think it's all pointing towards there being this like middle ground achieved. Like where they both like empathize with and like understand each other, and that they can like somehow move on from their pasts and like come together, like yeah, in a way that you wouldn't immediately expect. Yeah, the description of him as a seemingly fearsome warlord, <laughs> you know. So that's the that's the idea. Like that's the 
the impression that he wants to give off and that's how other people might see him but because ray's gone into his mind she knows there's more there that there is this conflict and pain yeah it's very byronic i think very much um and just to briefly touch upon a spoiler in the making styles report about the knights of ren and kylo coming to act two and fighting luke and ray um we're told that ray doesn't want to kill kylo and i think this would give a very good starter as to why she wouldn't want to kill him because if she really does have this empathy for him and really understands why he is like he is then i think that would make her more reluctant to like take his life she'd be like but no there's more to this person he is a person like he's not a complete monster like as much as i might want him to be a monster there are these layers here and like i want to try and understand what happened like so Yes, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Um, yeah, did you get anything else from Ray's biography, or do you think we're pretty much done discussing? Um, just this part from the bio again, like the idea of her rejecting call to destiny, but then being captured by Kylo. It's again with the idea of the but in the middle of that, like the sentence. It's kind of suggesting that even though she tried to escape destiny, meeting Kylo was her destiny. Mm, that's I true. Feel like that, that's kind of what plays out in the film, right? That she runs away from the vision and the saber because it frightens her, but then she runs into the forest and meets Kylo anyway. Yeah, it's and, true. Yeah, and when JJ was describing that in the commentary, he, yeah, what was he saying? Like, they were like two trains coming towards each other, <laughs> like about yes. to collide. Like, it was almost inevitable that they were going to meet. Yeah. No, it was like about two trains on a collision course or some cheesy nonsense. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Solve like Kylo is the most prominent figure in Ray's vision. He's the recurring linking element there. Like, and he's not very much tied to her fear. She's very afraid of him. Um, and in a way, I think the whole of the force awakens is about Ray overcoming that fear of Kylo Ren, because like in the vision, he's like this very scary, frightening presence, like all masked and shown in these like very dramatic and foreboding circumstances. But then, like by the end, like he's lying on the ground in front of her, like bleeding and cut up and a complete, like emotional wreck. And yeah, like it's just this whole demystification process. So he went from being this like impenetrable, terrifying monster to just this vulnerable person who she couldn't quite bring herself to kill. And yeah, it's really interesting and it raises lots of interesting questions for what will happen in eight. Mm hmm. Yeah, so very exciting. Um, right, then I think we can move on. <laughs> There's so much to say, but um, we should probably wrap things up soonish. Um, yeah, and there's just two more things. Um, the first is that Bob Iger has seen Star Wars. Right, and this is Bob Iger speaking. Star Wars The Last Jedi, a voice known as Episode Eight, will open in December, and I just saw it last week. Iger said in a statement alongside the company's quarter one earnings release. <laughs> so of course he did. It's a great next chapter in the iconic Skywalker family saga. It will be followed by our Han Solo origin film, which is just going into production. Um, yeah, so what was your main reaction to this news that Bob Iger has seen The Last Jedi, Kirsty? Well, I'm jealous because I want to see it. <laughs> Yeah, never before have I wanted to be like a millionaire 50-year-old man. <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, he's so lucky. Well, it Best must mean that the world. 
yeah i mean i'm sure they're going to do some tinkering with it still and maybe like do some slight reshoots but it seems to imply that it's pretty well put together at this point mm. yeah like he's not saying i saw a rough cut right like, or i saw an assembly print he's saying i saw it obviously i'm sure it's not finished like there's gonna be loads of stuff left to add but like i at the same time i think it's also important to say that the film production schedule wasn't that different to the production schedule it was going to be on for a may release so i expect i expect it is pretty close to finished it definitely mm-hmm. won't be completely finished but i expect it's getting there yeah um, it's exciting yeah no it's really exciting like to think that it's just sat there like in a locked room surrounded by snipers and <laughs> other high security measures um, yeah, I saw, I saw some people picking up on the whole um, iconic Skywalker family saga thing. Um, again, like saying this is evidence that Rey's a Skywalker. Um, He's not going to just casually slip that into conversation. If no, <laughs> and, and the I mean... thing is, what people miss is that it's marketing speak. Like it's marketing speak to distinguish like the main event films, which are the Skywalker family saga films, from the spin-offs. So like the Han Solo origin film. Like that's all it is, is just differentiation between the two different types of films. Because he knows for a fact that the Skywalker family saga films, they're a more valuable commodity than the spin-offs. Yeah, I mean they've been described like that many times before and Kathleen Kennedy calls them that as well, so yeah, I think it's just people really wanting evidence and so interpreting like meaningless things like that as evidence. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. I sound so mean. <laughs> no, I mean they can, right? Like, yeah, you know, I'm sh- our reading of the film, as we were saying earlier, is complete crack to other people. They think we're crazy, so yeah. you know, whatever. Like, do you think um, the data bank is crazy too? Then, well, we're all just fans enjoying it the way we want to. So. <laughs> Yes, it's true. Like, it's not doing any harm. Like, I don't care really what anyone thinks about the film or how they interpret it, as long as people are just, like, reasonable about other people's opinions. Like, I think that's the only thing I'd ever ask, you know. Like, I don't mind if anyone believes that Ray's a Skywalker or Solo, but the unfortunate thing is that generally it's not enough to just believe your own theory. You have to work very hard to tear down other people's theories that might challenge your own theory. Yeah, there's a lot of disdain. We've talked about this before, just like, I don't know why, but people really don't like our reading of the film. No. I think it's because, like, for that exact reason, because it does represent a big roadblock to lots of other readings. But if it has no merit, then what's the problem? That's the thing, like, if you don't think that my theory has any credibility, then why not just let me enjoy it? If you think it poses no threat to your your headcanon of Rey as a Skywalker or a Solo or whatever, it's like, I just, I guess maybe I'm just still like naive. I just don't understand why people need to be so mean to each other. Mm, yeah, no, I feel like that. I, I think it's just because people, they do know it's a threat, especially because like such official things have like come out to support that particular reading. Like I say, the outcome of the story might well be different from what, say, radio shippers think the outcome of the story will be. But it's becoming very, very clear that the radio shippers' reading of the film is the most correct one, like in the bigger scheme of things. Yeah, and I feel that's like... becoming hard to <clears throat> deny now because there's been the commentary and now the data bank, and that's very like difficult to argue with. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the the reading of the Force Awakens that we have, that Kylo is very intrigued and fascinated by Rey and has that conflict and 
doesn't descend fully into the dark side because he kills his father that has all been backed up by other sources now mm. um so it doesn't mean that we know where things are going obviously mm. um but it's so polar opposite to what the mainstream reading has been mm. um yeah it would just be interesting to see if that becomes the mainstream reading now because at this point we do have all of the supplementary material that strongly points in that way Mm. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, right, and then the final news story is from Making Star Wars, and it's that Force Friday may be set for first of September, and it goes. Over the past couple of years, Lucasfilm has begun an annual tradition with Force Friday, an event every September that kicks off the new products for that year's specific Star Wars film. This year's Force Friday will feature merchandise from Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. According to our friends over at Jeddo Bibliotech, this year's Force Friday will take place on Friday, September 1st. You can expect merchandise from The Last Jedi from Hasbro, Funko, Lego, Hot Toys and many more. You will also be able to purchase new t-shirts, books and general merchandise. You won't get a look at any new merchandise until San Diego Comic Con. Start saving your money now. <laughs> it's going to be so expensive. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to exercise some self-restraint. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've already like got my own policy, which is you're only allowed to buy Rain and Kylo merchandise and only within reason. So I'm not going to go out and like buy Hot Toys, Rain and Kylo dolls. As beautiful and wonderful as they are, I can't justify paying like 400 quid for a figure. It's like, no. Yeah, so. I think the Hasbro Black Series, is that what it's called? They're, they're pretty good quality, really. I mean, I'm not a toy collector, mm. um, so they're good enough for me. Yeah, I actually got um, like the 3.75 inch figures because they were ludicrously cheap in a shop near me. They were like 2.99. Oh, wow. And these figures start off life at 10 quid. So I was like, hell yeah. Um, and I got like Resistance Ray and like Masked Kylo. And they're both really great figures. I think they might actually be better than the Black Series ones. Mm. Um, like there's just something about the tiny little Ray, like in the way her face is painted. And it's just, I don't know, it's just nicer than the Black Series. Obviously you get nicer articulation on the Black Series figures because that's one of the main selling points. They can move in more realistic ways. Um but yeah, there's just something like cuter about the little figures. I think it's probably also nostalgia for me because that's the size of the figures I played with as a child. So from mm. the original trilogy generation. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do like Funko Pops as well. I think they're so cute. Oh, Funko Pops are adorable. <laughs> like my favorite Funko Pops are my labyrinth ones. Um, so I have Jareff and Sarah, and Aww. they're so cute. <laughs> have you seen Labyrinth? Oh, yeah, I love Labyrinth. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you haven't spoken about this. Labyrinth is so amazing. We should do a Labyrinth podcast. Soon. Oh, we should, yeah. Yeah, That's... we need to do so many podcasts. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like the Funko of Sarah, it also has a tiny little worm in it. And it's the cutest oh, thing. That it's sounds like, adorable. Oh it is perfect. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, um, they're really cute. Yeah, no, they're really great. So if any of them are adorable enough, then I'll probably get one on force friday um do you think we're gonna see scarred kylo ren merchandise for force friday or do you think he will keep the mask firmly on until the film i don't know actually actually i saw someone um post something on tumblr earlier that they'd like bought this random pack of stickers and it had a picture of scarred kylo on it with the other characters interesting i don't know how official it is or 
whatever. It, they were cartoons, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, this is a kind of representation of what his scar's going to be like. But yes. um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like they would have to to an extent because we already know what his face looks like, so it's not like that could be an excuse for not having unmasked toys. Mm. Yeah, uh, you'd almost think that they would use the scar as an excuse to do more toys of unmasked Kylo. Mm. It's like. Well, we know he was like a crying, like feeble, pretty boy in Force Awakens, but now look at him, he has this gnarly scar. Look at what a badass he is. <laughs> Obviously, that's not my thinking, but I know that there are lots of people out there who, I don't know, I guess they found Kylie to be like a bit of a milksop. <laughs> like, and they didn't think he was like hardcore enough, like, because he was like emotional and there's lots of cool and Kylo emo and all that kind of thing. And yeah, so. I expect those kinds of people, Kylo having a scar that will add more legitimacy to him, like and make him a cooler, in air quotes, character. It doesn't really make any difference to me personally. Um, But yeah, like I could see it being used as like an element of marketing push. Like, look how cool he looks. Yeah, I suppose. And it distinguishes him because that's the problem. I know we've heard uh, from making Star Wars, I think they mentioned one time that the mask he's going to have in eight is slightly different. Mm. I don't know to what extent, obviously. Yeah. but they need to have something that distinguishes those toys from um, The Force Awakens. Yes. So I guess costume changes and that will also apply, but the scar seems like an obvious one. Mm. Exactly. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, like, do you reckon you're going to queue up overnight or anything like that? Oh, no. Nah. I don't care that much. No, nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the stuff, but I don't. I don't care about having it on the first day. Yeah, no, like, I get my stuff from, like, the local Asda, and they'd look at you like you're an insane person <laughs> there o- overnight. They, I don't think they even put it out until the morning. Went there for the Force Friday for Force Awakens, and they were only putting the stuff out at, like, 7am. Like, and I was, like, looking around like a weirdo, waiting for the toys <laughs> to be available. <laughs> yeah, like, I think wow. some people, especially in America, there was a huge deal about the Force Awakens Force Friday, but again, that was the first film in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people have been saying that the the Rogue Friday or whatever it was called was not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, inevitably, that kind of enthusiasm is going to temper over time. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I was in the Disney store on Oxford Street yesterday, um, and so many Rogue One figures. Like, I, I don't mean to sound mean, but I can see the destiny of many of those figures being like severely reduced yeah i do wonder that because all the characters died are people going to be that into like especially children Mm. you know um it's very different kind of film yeah like i have heard um from people like saying that like they found especially their kids they didn't like find rogue one that appealing like and i can understand that i did like it but like there are like lots of long like drawn out intense battle scenes and stuff for example mm. and i'm not sure like how appealing that is for kids but who knows yeah i didn't feel like it was particularly marketed towards children or the characters weren't lovable in the same way that ray finn and poe were yeah like i think that was good in a way so obviously it allowed for there to be like these more nuances to them like and that makes them really exciting in a cool way um but yeah, like it, it makes them less immediately accessible to children, which I think probably d- did have ramifications for the marketing. Yeah, and I do wonder if that's going to have implications for the kind of stories they tell going forward. Mm. Um, because obviously the merchandise is a huge part of how much money they end up making. <laughs> yes. I know the film itself was very successful. 
Mm. So that's not the issue. But if they care as well about making plenty of money with the toys and that. Yeah. I don't know. Be interesting to see. Certainly will be. Um, Right. So do we think we've said everything we want to say about the news? I think so. Okay, cool. Right. Then I'm sorry for not having a spotlight this time, guys. Um, We will be back to our normal programming, I guess, in a few weeks, wouldn't it be, Kirsty? Um, like yeah. Things have settled down a bit more. Um, yeah, just like things are a bit up in the air because of like travel and personal commitments and stuff. Um, but we will keep you updated, and we will try our best to do a show every week, and we'll obviously let people know if, for any reason we can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, right. So if you have any questions for the next show, please send them to scavengershorde at gmail dot com. And where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. People want to say hi. And you can find me at Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr or on Journal of Star Wars on WordPress. Thank you very much for listening and we hope you tune in next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.